It started with MILF and went downhill from there. Welcome to the Skiffy and Fanny Show Torture Cinema Holiday Special! On the second day of Christmas, the listeners gave to me an aggressively heteronormative portrait of the white suburban nuclear family. (laughs) (laughs) That is accurate. That is is quite accurate. And well sung. Yes, very well sung. I congratulate you on your... Very well mm -hmm. sung. Amazing. It, it, It scans perfectly. I mean, the thing that really gets me is how you manage to get that many syllables in rhythm into the song. Like, it still fit. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's indistinguishable from the original. I mean, all we need is a beat on that, and that's the new hit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm Sean. I'm Alex. I'm Becca. And on today's show, we will be talking about a film that you all picked on the Patreon, a film called The Family Man. Directed by Brett Ratner, written by David Diamond and David Weissman, and starring Nicolas Cage, Taylor Leone, Don Cheadle, Jeremy Piven, and some other folks that are also in this. But before we get to what we're drinking, our summary, and our painful review of the film, a friendly reminder that we want to hear from you. Share your comments with us about this and past episodes at skiffyandfanty.com slash listener suggestions. We want to put together a listener mailbag episode with your thoughts, questions, topics, suggestions, and more. So get those thoughts in. Try to have some thoughts first and then send them to us. I believe in you. Thoughts required. And on that note, what are you drinking, Becca? I am totally forgot to pick up festive liquor, so I have a lemon truly and a grapefruit truly, and that's what we're drinking tonight. (laughs) What about you, Sean? Well, I'm not going to (laughs) be drinking it for much longer because I have been drinking for the full hour we have been working up to recording this episode. So I don't have a name for this. I, you can come up with names. I have a name that is not suitable for children that I will not be uttering here, so... I will just leave that unsaid. But yeah, so I have made an eggnog cocktail to go with the the holidays. It has eggnog, vanilla, vodka, peppermint schnapps, and then some spices. I've got allspice, ginger, uh, nutmeg, cinnamon, and cloves in this sucker. Very fancy. It's really good. (laughs) I'm just telling you. It's dangerous, though, because it doesn't taste like alcohol. (laughs) And I can tell you right now, there was a lot in there when I poured it. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah. Well, what about you, Alex? What are you drinking? So in the the festive spirit of this train wreck, um, I'm (laughs) drinking an eggnog with a healthy amount of rum in it. And I'm doing it out of my, my, you can't tell, but it's my one of my Star Trek wine glasses. So it's very classy. And then for when I run out of eggnog, I've got a Dunkel beer from Prost Brewing Company, German style dark lager. That's awesome. That sounds delicious. It, it is. I mean, the beer will be delicious when I get to it, but the eggnog is currently quite delicious because we got it from our local um, dairy that delivers. Ooh, nice. I have a, mil- a milkman uh, now. I've arrived. So, now for the main event. Yeah. The family well, man. I am going to summarize this because I don't trust either oh, of Yeah, God. you don't want me to summarize it because you're not going to like what I uh, have to say. Mine would just be the most boring summary ever. 
The Family Man is a 2000 uh, American romantic fantasy comedy drama because they had to go for all of the different genres you could go for for Christmas. It is a film that is about Jack primarily and Kate secondarily, who uh, are shown at the beginning as being a couple in a relationship. Jack is about to take a prestigious internship in London. Kate tells him, no, please don't go. Oh my God, we are not going to be together anymore. They don't say for some reason long distance relationships suck. That's just, I guess, implied. Anyway, he goes, they end up not being together. He becomes like a very rich banker dude who makes everybody work on Christmas. And then, lo and behold, while he's seeking eggnog one day, he runs into Don Cheadle, who is sticking up a store, a convenience store, over a lottery ticket. But it turns out that's not really his deal. He's just, like, out looking for people being honest, and he may or may not be an angel. And the next day, after Jack convinces him not to, I guess, shoot people, uh, he ends up getting put in what's called a glimpse in which he is placed in a different version of his life in which he did not uh, stay in London, but in fact did marry Kate and they have a life together. And the movie is essentially about Jack learning some sort of lesson, which we may have to discuss about what exactly the lesson is that he was supposed to learn, Mm -hmm. which then will trigger the angel coming back and sending him back. And like, that's the, it's basically like holiday cheer. There's like a fun, like big tire sales place and, you know, lots of family drama and an adorable, precocious child. You know, all the f- the holiday fixins. Yeah, and and apparently it is supposedly in some way adapted from it's from it's a wonderful. Well, life. if so, okay. <laughs> That's why there's like the bicycle bell and shit. Like I don't know. I read that and I was like, mm. sure. <laughs> Nothing says Christmas like Nick Cage playing a tire salesman. It's true. It's one of the classics. You know, I, I, we know that 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 in the the classic Christian Christmas story, the little infant Jesus was visited by three tire salesmen. <laughs> I mean, you may not know the little drummer boy. His drums made from a tire. There we go. There we go. Yeah, absolutely. You didn't know that. We're an educational podcast. Yeah, we're an educational mm-hmm. podcast. Ninety percent of the toys on the island of misfit toys are actually, in fact, made of of rubber from tires. I mean, this is why you got to listen to your elders sometimes because we know stuff. Yeah, it's the the it's it's not really the island of misfit toys. It's the I- island of used rubbers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that that is what she said. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the island of used rubbers. <laughs> nice. Thank you for that image that I did not need. You're welcome, citizen. You're welcome. Definitely changes the context of that. <laughs> it's, like... it's quite evocative. Because that whole movie ends with Rudolph helping all the misfit toys get to children. So it's just a movie about returning used rubbers. (laughs) (laughs) It's awful. You've ruined the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Alex. You're also welcome, citizen. I'm here to spread holiday cheer. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I'll never be able to watch that movie again. <laughs> oh my mother my loves that movie. I have to sit next to her in two weeks and watch. <laughs> if, you, if you tell me exactly when you'll be watching it, I'll set myself a calendar reminder so that I can send you a message on Discord. <laughs> Oh, there's going to be some memes out of this one, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I 
think you found the tagline for the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on, together. <laughs> we're, we're on. We're, let's get on to our likes and dislikes. Let's actually make this a whole thing. Because I think I summarized effectively enough. No, that, that was. <laughs> yes. Uh, There's not a, a whole lot to this movie, honestly. No, it's no. pretty straightforward. Like the mystery that is in it is really not a mystery. I mean, it's like a very bog standard Christmas movie. Yeah. I hated yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> Filled me with deep loathing. <laughs> well, well, before we get to your loathing, I guess we should get to our likes. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. Alex, I will give it to you first, since you have volunteered yourself by offering your opinion about this movie. <laughs> what is one thing you like from this movie? Okay, the little girl was fucking amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I normally am not, like, big into, like, little twee kids in movies i you know i'm a grinch and i hate fun but she was wonderful and there's this this beautiful scene where like because you know it's it's you know kind of like a freaky friday body switch sort of comedy situation where of course like there's one person that appears to be having a psychotic break in this case nicholas cage who is very good at having a psychotic break on film and no one fucking notices or, or you know, they're, they're willing to sort of like gloss over it or be like, well, you're acting sort of weird, but it must be because you're under stress or whatever. But in this movie, the one person who is like, there is something wrong and I fucking know there's something wrong is the little girl who has this amazing conversation with him when he's like doing the comedy, I've never changed a baby's diaper and now I'm going to attempt to change a baby's diaper in a super disgusting bit. Where she's just kind of like, you're not my dad, are you? And and he actually is honest with her. And he's like, no. And she's just kind of like, well, you're not going to hurt me and my brother, right? And he's like, no. And she's like, okay, well, welcome to Earth. Because she's assumed he's an alien. <laughs> they did a good job, she says. <laughs> yeah. They, and, and I mean, and the one thing like I also really loved in that scene is, is she was like, do you know where my dad is? And he was like, no, but I know wherever he is, he loves you. Like, the little girl is amazing, but there's also, like, the the thing about the Nick Cage character where, yes, you know, he's, like, in some high-powered Wall Street law firm where everyone's coming in and working on Christmas because whatever. And and there's, like, the one guy who's, like, because, I mean, it's fucking Wall Street and mergers. Who cares? But he's actually, like, for a rich, horrible Wall Street person, he's actually a pretty nice guy. That was the thing that really stood out to me, that at the beginning, you know, all of these films, like these kind of Christmas movies where someone like learns a lesson on Christmas, you know, they kind of follow a formula, right? Like, you know, a guy is like not really a good guy. He's doing kind of bad things. He may not be like a mass murderer, but he's just kind of like a dude you really don't want to invite over Yeah, he's kind of an Christmas. asshole or whatever. Yeah, yeah like, he's oh. an asshole. But like when you look at this, it's like, is he an asshole? A little bit, but he's not... He's not as extreme as some other assholes that we would expect to have a redemption arc. Like when we just watched the the Muppet Christmas Carol and like Scrooge is a piece of shit. He's a bad man. But Nick Cage, by comparison, is in this playing Jack is like he's not a bad man. He's just chosen a career that kind of is like an awful career. Like it's a douche career. And he's sort of like a rich guy, so of course he's out of touch and kind of douchey on that grounds. But like, I mean, you know, for for a minute when it was like, oh, he's this high-powered Wall Street guy and he's like, you know, he has the lady that he sleeps with randomly at the very beginning of the movie. I was like, oh, maybe they're going to kind of go for like the, you know, like the Scrooged thing. But like in like the Scrooge, like the Bill Murray movie, like that character is a giant piece of shit. Like he is such a dick and you're like, oh yeah, totally. And, and in this you're just like... 
Yeah, you're just kind of like a Wall Street workaholic who has a lot of money so that you don't understand what people are really going through. But then again, when you saw something like people were in danger and maybe going to get hurt, you were like, I'm going to intervene and try to talk someone down. And then later, you know, he's like walking away from the place with the guy with with Don Cheadle. And he's like trying to help him in a really clumsy, incredibly rich white dude way. But it's still you're like... God, you're out of touch and this is super cringy, but I can also tell that your heart is kind of in the right place. You're trying. Yeah, like, I love that bit, right? Like, afterwards, when he walks out, like, why would you walk out? The guy just pointed a gun at you. Yeah, I was like, he's gonna fucking murder you and take your wallet, like. It's so weird, but he's like, oh, maybe I can, like, talk to him, like, you don't really need the gun, and, like, maybe there's programs out there for you, right? Like, there's gotta be things you can do, and I'm not saying it's, he's, like, doing this whole bit about hard work and all this stuff. And it's sort of like this weird situation of like, yeah, he is, as you say, being awkward and like, it's not, it's not going to work. You can tell it's not going to work. But at the same time, it's like, but there's no reason for him to do, most people wouldn't do this. Yeah. Any, any economic range, like most people would be like, call the cops. Like we're like, you pointed a gun, like the, the conversation's over, which is one of the things I thought stood out to me was watching this film in the context of 2021 and our perceptions of these things. Cause in, in this movie in 2000, like, I don't think the rhetoric about how much we hate really rich people, like I got to the point it is now. And so this movie doesn't need to like engage with that in any way it's just sort of Mm. like no a rich person can be a good dude who just maybe has kind of gotten skewed in some ways and so like he's got to learn an ultimate lesson about love and family or whatever but it is really weird because you're sitting here going but like but that's not what rich people are really like (laughs) Like, yeah this is a fantasy (laughs) unrealistic little bit i don't know like I, I honestly do think there are probably some, like, rich people who are kind of, like, just out of touch. They should still be eaten. But, like... <laughs> yum, yum. With some yum, yum sauce. I, mm. I think it just kind of stood out to me because I also feel like, you know, you would think, like, if this movie was made today, I would expect it, like, oh, he's going to, like, leave the place with the guy and then they're going to, you know, he's going to try to, like, tackle him or, you know, whatever. And instead he's just like, I'm going to try to talk to you and be, you know, engage in, like, some soft people skills instead of being, like super masculine so like that i I was kind of like i actually really like this guy and i don't think he needs to change that much no it's like the lesson isn't that he needs to change as a person all that much it's more that he needs to think about what's the life he he wants to have because ultimately he's alone right he lives a lonely existence where all he does is he makes money and he works all the time he just makes money and has sex with beautiful women and hangs out and drinks delicious scotch and is nice to everybody. Yeah. It sounds awful and unfulfilling. I mean, this the being nice to everybody, yeah, that sounds fucking awful. <laughs> well, say. look, it's pretty Everything bad. Everything else, I'll take it's it. pretty bad. I, I think what the film's trying to say by with the opening scene is that Nick Cage has a choice here and he made a choice that led him down one path, but he doesn't know what that other path offered. Because he, he basically had those two options on the table, and he chose this option. And so this glimpse is like, because there's that moment, right, where he says to John Tito, like, I have everything I want. But we actually should be a little bit suspicious of that, because there was a moment in which he did actually want something different than this. So can you say that you don't want those things if you've never experienced them, as I think what the movie's doing? It's doing it somewhat ham-fistedly, and is doing it in a Christmassy way, which is... Just vomitous. He's going to learn the lesson, like, oh, I really wanted to have family all along. And it's like, instead of, like, the other lesson could be like, no, I'm good. Like, the kids are cute, but I'll just be, like, the cool uncle and I'm good. 
Just, I, I make good money. I'll keep good money. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about the dislikes. I can be patient. <laughs> the, the girl, the, the little girl was super cool. She is pretty adorbs. I did also like little heartstrings got pulled when like he's playing with her in the snow and he just hugs her and tells her he loves her. I was like, oh, that's pretty sweet. Alex is shaking their head right now. <laughs> Not happy about that, huh? I, I was just like, I, I don't feel like being emotionally manipulated in a really clumsy way by this movie. It's a Christmas movie. The emotional manipulation is baked right in, just like vanilla in a cookie. That's true, Becca. I just, I, just that, that fucking scene when he's like trying to say, hey, I could have this job in New York and, and, and be, have like a satisfying career instead of being a retail tire salesman. And, and then the wife pulls out like the super emotional manipulation and is like, well, fine, I'll just take the kids out of the schools that they love and we'll give up everything and move to New York, which is a place that's terrible. And I was like, just let him fucking commute, bitch. Okay, okay. Now, I know this is weird because I have to defend somebody now that doesn't exist. <laughs> so the thing with the commute, I totally get because it's it's doing this thing that you see a lot in both wider U.S. culture, but even in film, which is like the dad who's never home. He's never around his kids. He's not really involved. He's distant. And she's talking about, you know, three hours of a commute for a, a job in a field that already we know earlier in the movie is going to require a lot of time from him. And so I get perfectly the argument she's making of like, when are you going to be with your kids? I mean, you signed up to be a dad. This is kind of like this. This isn't a gig that you should get out of. And, and I get it because coming from a Navy family where my father like would disappear for long periods of time until he literally just all up and disappeared totally for other reasons than to do with the Navy. But like, I kind of get that because, you know, when you have two parents, whatever gender they are, like having those two parents there is actually really important because you, you shouldn't have just one input if you have the two available. So I get what she's doing. But she also does this thing that I really appreciated, which is she's like, I choose us. And so if this is the thing that you need to do, if this is like desperately what you need, I'm 100% there for you. And I'm going to do it. And yes, it's going to take a lot of sacrifices. But like, that's also set up earlier in the movie as a thing that they have done, which has made lots of sacrifices to get the life that they have now. And so she's saying more sacrifices, if that's what you need to do, to find your happiness i will support it which is really sweet also super heteronormative which i'm sure is gonna come up at some point this fucking podcast <laughs> and also came with a giant like the giant wad of emotional blackmail <laughs> it's good blackmail though it works depends on your definition of works <laughs> Well, I, I mean, it, it worked in the sense that it got him to give up on the, the job that he actually wanted to have and go back to being a tire salesman. Is that the thing that makes him give it up, though? Or is it the kids? Well, I mean, the thing is, it's it's her being like, you can go do this, but then, you know, you will make your children fucking miserable, basically, which is horseshit, but anyway. They probably would be miserable. But also, none of it mattered. I know, because it's not real. Yeah. Because it's not real. <laughs> Yeah, it's not real. And I'm just going to say, like, the the little girl might be like, I'm sad because we moved and now I have to find a new friends group. And da, da, da. The baby's a fucking baby, Sean. It's an infant. I think it'll be fine. I don't know. Like, that's a lot of trauma for a baby. Like, it goes from, like, a regular, like, Moving. baby daycare thing to, like, some bougie shit where they're, like, trying to feed it caviar. Like, that's traumatic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really don't think it's recommended to feed fish eggs 
to infants, no matter how rich you are? I, I wouldn't know. I don't have one because I don't understand the true meaning of happiness. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure saying that that's, yeah. that's the true meaning of happiness. I think either one of these lives could be. No, but... Sean, the movie is saying that's the true meaning of happiness, but we're not to dislike For him, it. not for everybody. We're not no, there yet. We, we, we're we're going to talk about okay. some dislikes, right. fucker. Well, let's get to Becca. What is your like, Becca? I got a real short one for you. But I just, just John Cheadle and the fact that he's an angel. You know, he's a cool dude. It was nice to see his face. I was initially like a little ooh, when it's you know he's kind of like comes in to to you know do the thing in the bodega and it's very like and I was like ooh it's a very definite like stereotype black man holding up a corner but then store. it like it's turned around like instantly but he's an he's an angel like he literally is a being with like nigh infinite power and he chooses to appear as a black man it's pretty neat. And the fact that that's the one redeeming point of the movie for me should say something. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, it is simple, but Don Cheadle, you, you know, an argument could be made that we need more of him in the movie, but, you know, yes. it would be nice to have a little more, a little less mm, crypticness yeah. would have been, I think, appropriate, but especially at the end, like, bro, bro, you could be like a little, like, give him yeah. something now. Like, you could, you could elaborate. Just you know, <laughs> like you did the thing where you're like, oh, sure, we'll get out and take a walk. And then you like kicked him out the car and then drove off like you did that bit once. That was amazing. Like, like I knew it was coming. It was so good. It was very good. Out of my car. <laughs> I like I really do enjoy it. But yeah, I, I mean, he is really good in the, the very short amount of runtime he's got. You know, there's really no complaints about Don Cheadle. Like he's just kind of because he's Don yeah, Cheadle. He's Don Cheadle. I mean, like, what's the worst thing you can say about a Don Cheadle? He once did a bad British accent in the Oceans movies. That's about it. We don't speak of that. We don't We don't need to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough, Becca. All right. Well, I guess I will go then, since yours was so simple. I think it's on record that I, I love this movie. So when it got picked, I was like, oh, wrong. I, knew, I knew it was likely other people weren't going to like it all that much, but for reasons that are different from my own. There's a lot of things I really enjoy about this movie. Um, I do enjoy its message, but I will just say that I was very much just out, uh, becoming on 18 and Teo Leone and this like sweet mother of God. I had such a crush when I was, I was a young and still do. I would just say Teo Leone is amazing in this. Is this the origin of MILF? <laughs> I don't know. No, because I think 1999 is uh, American Pie, and so MILF comes out in 1999. Yeah. For those that don't know, I know that uh, not everybody is as cultured as us, uh, which MILF is stands for Mom I'd Like to Fuck, which is a bourgeois term referring to one's attraction to friends' mothers. Not not to be confused with the new phenomenon of the, the DILF currently represented by Oscar Isaac in Dune, which is the dad I'd like to Correct. Talk. Yeah, that is a more new incarnation. You could argue it's possibly derivative of the original MILF oh, culture, sure. which sure, was very sure. much developed in the late 90s, uh, you know, in response to the, the eventual collapse of the Clinton administration or the rise of the Bush administration. But there's really not a lot you can do about those kinds of things. You just have to deal with the history of reality. Uh, hey, Sean, has Urban Dictionary offered you that narrating gig yet? No, like, but they should. They, they should. <laughs> I would I would listen to that. Uh, okay, we should yeah. get back on this, <laughs> yeah. though. Anyway. Yeah, so overall, I just really enjoyed Taya Leone in this movie. She's just really great. 
I don't know what else to say. Like every time everyone's like, oh, she's, she's, oh, like Kate's so great. Kate's so great. And I'm like, yes, that is correct. Kate is in fact the best member of that family. Even with her blackmail, emotional blackmail, I don't care. Well, what's a marriage without emotional blackmail, apparently? That is true. I'm a lot healthier. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. You should say it. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> okay. Let's get to dislikes, which I'm sure is going to be a joy for me. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> what is your one and only dislike? So, I hated this movie. No! I Yay! absolutely fucking loathed this movie. And it wasn't even As for the amount should. of cringe in it, even though I have, like, a very bad reaction to cringe where watching, like, secondhand embarrassment just makes me want to, like, like, roll up like a pill bug and never emerge. But no, I hated this movie for very different reasons. And it's because this movie is sort of the apotheosis of the white heteronormative suburban Christian blah, all of that Christmas movie. And so in a way, my hatred of this film is actually not the film's fault because this is probably one of the best made torture cinema movies we have ever watched. The reason I hate it is because for the for my entire life, which has now stretched to 41 years, every fucking movie that has any kind of dialogue or thematic element in it about the tension between personal life and career always goes like this. You have a career and you're super driven, but don't you wish that you'd gone and lived in the suburbs with a wife to fuck and 2.5, or sorry, 2.4 children of different cisgenders and you're just not fulfilled if you don't have that, so you should give up the career. Now, this movie had an interesting element in that it was a cis man who gave that up for once. Because it's almost always the woman in these that's like, I have a high-powered career, but I really just wish I would had babies. But this movie, like this entire movie, is the summation of every smug person who has ever looked at me and said, Well, I know you don't want kids, but you're going to change your mind. Guess what, fuckers? I'm, I didn't, and I never will, and I don't have a uterus anymore, so eat my ass. Anyway, so that's why I hate this movie, because it is an entire, like, summation of the cultural ideal that keeps getting pushed for this nuclear family. And the thing is, I understand that there are people who find it very heartwarming, and I get it. Because... If you can emotionally connect with the urges that these people have where you're like a family life and kids and I, you know, and I like kids and I'd like to have a baby or I'd like to have, you know, like a nuclear family or whatever, then that is incredibly heartwarming. But for those of us who are not in that position and have never been in that position and in fact have often felt oppressed by that position because of the expectation it culturally places upon us. Let me tell you about growing up as someone who was perceived to be female, who was assigned female at birth. It's incredibly grating because all you fucking want to see for once in your life is someone to be like, you know, I tried it and that was okay, but no thanks. And for the movie to be like, hey, that's cool. Never fucking happens. So all of the hostility that I feel towards this movie is just basically decades of having that flogged at me. And I hate it. And that's my rant. Absolutely. 110%. I have one thing that I need to say to everything that you said. 
Because earlier you said 2.4 kids. Whatever the average is. It's gone is. down. I didn't look it up lately. Because 2.4 kids means six children. Two male, four female. No. 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 No, no. What? Average is the average. It has oh, you meant, because it's okay. an average. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got no, it. No, it is Sorry. literally so, two point... We're having a math problem. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, so this is this is because one of the communities oh, I'm part of, which is the reptile community, when we refer to the offspring of of our reptiles, you use a number no. a, to represent the different, the different, well, and obviously. Well, I, in, I mean, if they were lizard people. In reptiles, which, there's really only two unfortunately, options. Unfortunately, I can't yeah. really make a lizard person joke because that's actually a really anti-Semitic trope, but I wish I could at this moment. Right. Thanks, David Ike. <laughs> Why does he destroy everything that's good? So I get where you're coming from in terms of the your major concern with this this movie, your major criticism, because I get that right. That like I mean I'm coming back to this movie having seen it. I don't know. I, this I've probably seen this movie like 20 times because it, it just would play all the time and like before Netflix, just whatever was fucking on stars you watched. So and I mean as Christmas movies go. There are way worse Christmas movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's like some super massively like, offensive there, there's Christmas There's some fun movies. shit in this yeah. one. Yeah. But I think one of the things that stands out to me is actually about my dislike about this movie, which is that what you're describing is actually more egregious when you realize the amount of time that exists between the, gl- the glimpse that he gets, the blip that he receives, and the actual reality he exists in. Because this isn't him getting on the airplane and then having the angel visit him or whatever when he's in London and then being like, oh, you're getting a glimpse, sucker. And then he, you know, takes him back and then, you know, he he realizes, oh, and now I'm going to go back. Because there's a moment in the movie, right, when he finds the plane ticket and he realizes the version of himself in the glimpse has returned from London. Yeah. Couldn't stand being away. He's come back. He's like, I can't do I I got to be with the, the woman I love, which mad respect, bro. But the problem is that the actual narrative from the reality he comes from, he's been gone for like 13 years. Yeah. And so at the end of the movie, when we get the like romantic redemption, it lands very differently. I'm actually surprised she, she actually went to have coffee with him. Yeah. Because it's a little bit weird that a dude's been hanging on to this for, I mean, she doesn't know that he's not actually been hanging on to this in the, in the, in an overt sense, but it's weird for a dude to be hanging on to this kind of feeling about somebody for 13 years. It would make more sense if the glimpse occurred after his arrival in London and then he decides I am returning immediately yeah. because I actually really want this life with this woman that I actually love. And this is a mistake. But that's not the narrative we're given. We're given this narrative of like, oh, like this whole life you've led is terrible and awful. His life's actually not that bad. It's kind of fine. Yeah. I mean, it's not the life I want, but that's maybe that's the life he wants. And that's fine. Yeah, that, that was the thing that bothered, you know, and it, it does attach to mine where I'm just like, it's cool if that if, if he's always felt unfulfilled and he's like something's missing. But he doesn't act like that in the movie. Right. Yeah. He act like his life is fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, he's a workaholic. But, you know, he seems friendly enough. He seems to enjoy doing what he's doing. He's not a monster. And then he gets this random... Yeah, he's not a monster. And then he gets this random glimpse and is just like, oh, no, you know, all of the stuff that I've worked for, whatever. Let me just go check out this chick that I was banging 13 years ago and see what she's up to. That's weird. When she was just calling me to give me back some stuff because she's moving to Paris, which, like... Why are they more satisfied with the guy when they could be ex- moving their career further forward? Okay, when you put it in that light, that's actually 
also comes back to like what I hated about where I was like, well, it was cool that for once, you know, at least I guess the person who's giving up their career is, is but the man. But he still makes her give up her career. Yeah. But, but if we're to believe that they're going to be like happy together, blah, 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 presumably then the next movie is her giving up her career of moving to Paris yeah. and being a lawyer. Yeah. The next movie is the family woman. Yeah. So it's still going right mm. back to that heart of the I hate you know, it. perfect nuclear family where the woman gives up her dreams to be a stay-at-home mom because the dude has the high-paying career. Fuck that noise. It's annoying because that time difference is what really does the, the movement there to make this not tenable. And, like, I think they were doing it because they wanted that impact of, oh, you know, even 13 years later, he still loves this woman. He would give up his whatever. He would give up his life now just so he could have children with her, which, like, ew. But sure. But yeah, it's like, you went for that impact, and instead you just made it very lackluster. Yeah, it it doesn't land. And I get why they're trying to do it, because they want that time to be a thing that makes it like, oh, this is a big change. It's such a big deal. But it doesn't work at the... I don't like the ending, I would just say. Like, this is because of this time difference. It, It just doesn't work. And, like, she's in the airport. She is in the airport about to go to Paris. I'm sorry. She's not missing that flight for a man. 13 years ago or however many years it was. 13 years ago. You're getting on that flight. That's what I don't get is what's the impetus? Because before they were in a relationship when she's asking him not to leave. And it's clear he loves her. She loves him. She's really, like, very distraught. And he's trying to reassure her and he goes and then it doesn't work out. But they're not together anymore. Right? It's been 13 years. Most people who are adjusted have, have moved, moved on. on. I guess the other thing that that is that is really weird is I'm trying to think about, like, the person I am now versus the person I was 13 fucking years ago. Yeah. Very different values, sexuality. So it, it, it's like, like, if someone showed up and was like, <laughs> oh, I've loved you for the last 13 years, I'd be like, you don't even fucking know me, man. Yeah, like, I'm a completely different person. You met me 13 right. years ago. Sure, you know, we were in, you know, maybe a long relationship, but that was 13 years ago. I've definitely changed. And if I haven't changed, something is wrong. Yes. Yeah. I mean, to be fair to the movie, the we're doing a lot of work for the movie of assuming the ending that hasn't actually been given to us. Because the actual ending we get is he just convinces her to go for coffee, which also is unrealistic. Yeah, she, she still would go to Paris. But it's a Christmas movie. And so you can argue that the implication that she even sat down to talk with him is an acceptance of them. Some something. Yeah. yeah because it's yeah. a Christmas movie. If it was just a regular drumcom, Yeah. Maybe that ending would be a little more uncertain. But because yeah. it's a Christmas movie and Christmas movies will always end with a happy ending, it can be even more heavily assumed that, yes, she would accept, you know, a return to whatever relationship and give up Paris. Yeah. And a lot of that weight is because a lot of Christmas movies actually go to that next level and show us that ending. I mean, it's such a classic thing. It's it's a classic trope. Yeah. You know, best case scenario, he goes to Paris with her. Like, why doesn't he just go to Paris? Why doesn't he be like, you know what? I'm buying yeah. a ticket too. This is pre 9 11. Yeah. So that would be he perfect. Has so much money. That would be that would be amazing. That would yeah. act like that would actually fix that that specific issue. Like, yeah. why doesn't he do the the thing where he's like, like, okay, I know you really need to get on this Paris flight, and this is a big deal, and I saw you earlier. You know, you had to get a different flight this day. Is a whole big to do. You know what? How about this? Why don't we get coffee in Paris? Yeah. I'll be there, that I'll get would, the next flight be over, and I'll do it. Like, a kind of 
I mean, they have passed, so it's it's not super creepy to be like, like let's have coffee it's in Paris. It's less creepy, It's yeah. less creepy because there's a past there. And that could be somewhat of a romantic gesture. And then you show them, and then, yeah, we fill in lots of blanks, and they get back together, and mm-hmm. somehow in the 13 years they have more babies, whatever. But instead, they just get coffee in New York. Yeah. Well, because I, I really feel like, like it does symbolize the, now the woman is giving up her dreams to stay with me. And you're like, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I've pisses seen this me movie off. too many times. The thing that like they're trying to do is, I I like it because this is a decision that I'm making, and so like there's obviously personal value. Like my girlfriend has a kid, because yeah, so, and... like you can connect with it in a way that Becca right, and I just right. Don't. And so I get it totally right that this is very much like pushing on my particular heartstrings because I want kids and all these kinds of things. And so like the life they're leading actually like I don't necessarily want to work in a tire store. <laughs> like that's not necessarily my dream. Even even like a dream number five hundred, <laughs> it's pretty pretty far below that even. But. At the same time, like, the life that is shown here is a life that I would like. It's very much that kind of, like, American dream life. Like, you're not filthy rich, but you live in a, you know, you've, you've got somebody who's your partner and you, you're you're madly in love and you're finding ways to make it work after 13 years and you got two adorable kids. Well, one of them's adorable. The other one I'm still iffy on, but whatever. It's still baking. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really that? baking. I guess it's it's... It's still being molded after having left the oven. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and and so, I mean, it, it does feel like, like, shot in the movie is, is kind of, like, aimed directly at you. It is. Just like, yeah. You know, I, I just would like someday for a movie to be aimed at me. I agree. Absolutely. But this did come out in 2000. Yeah. Though, I mean, I, there, I, I will say, like, for all the movie is aggressively heteronormative, I didn't feel like it was overtly homophobic other than the fact that queer people don't exist, which is yeah. just like, that was the time. Like, like why whatever. isn't, like, Jeremy Piven, like, why isn't he just the gay neighbor? That's the the friend. The friend, Artie, Arnie, who keeps trying to, like, give him so, advice. So, like, for just oh, yeah, a minute, yeah, yeah. Karina, yeah. like, she watched part of the movie with me. She got super excited because um when, when he was talking to, to Nick Cage and he was like, you know when I almost had the affair with Arnie Jr.'s speech therapist? And she was like, wait, did he just say he almost had an affair with a man? And I was like, no. Because she had heard it as Arnie Jr.'s speech therapist. Right. And I was like, no, Arnie Jr. is his son. The speech therapist is probably a woman, but good attempt. I, I, I would so close. I would have loved it if it had been true. I wish it had been. I mean, this like it's such an inconsequential character that like Will and Grace is out at this point. Like just just have him be gay. like you never see his his wife. So he can just be in a in a gay partnership and just be fucking done with it. And I mean, I think it would be amazing to have a gay character who is like like that, you know, New Jersey suburban in a bowling <laughs> yeah. league, because Hollywood normally doesn't let us be that schlubby. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I agree completely yeah. that like this clearly is aimed at me. And I think it's some hot bullshit that we just don't have more of what you might call classics with emphasis on the quotation marks I'm doing right now. That are ones that are also open to people of different lifestyle choices. Because the whole, like, you know, white picket fence, you know, family version of American living isn't a thing that everybody wants. And that's also okay. You don't have to have children or even be married or be hetero married. Like, you don't need to have any of those things to have a fulfilling life. I think you could do this movie today and and make that adjustment of saying, like, 
why didn't we do like a like the family man but it's like a different version where like he decides that like these kids are adorable but i just want to be the cool uncle i don't really want to be like this is not the life the life i want is the one that has the ferrari because i really like cars just have that life and then he could just like parachute in and be like hey i'm gonna be your cool rich uncle who's gonna fund your college you know do your college fund and all that because you know people who don't have kids we have money so we should give it to people who do have kids who don't have money because they have kids like yeah like that i'm totally in with that sort of communal thing i'm just like i don't have kids and i don't have money well you're in college that's you know i'm not in college well you were for college you were in college work for a college but the question, well, yeah, okay, so you don't have kids and you don't have money. But yeah, that is the reality also for many people. But it, it is like, it's it's not like I am I am hostile to the concept of having like, you know, the, like people allowed to have happy family movies. Because if nothing else, like, I do think it's great that there are some people who super want to have kids and those people should have kids and it's adorable. And then I can like, yeah. go play with the kids and then I can be like, oh, it's, it's weird and sticky. Have it back. <laughs> Oh, I accidentally fed it three donuts, but I've got to go. Oh, no, so no. Have fun. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. So your dislike is very understandable. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying yeah, to, like, yeah, reel absolutely. it Because, yeah, like, the time difference just fucks everything up. But, I, like... It makes everything you're saying worse. And I feel like I understand kind of why they put in there, because... If you're going from, like, when he has a sweet internship with whatever, with Barclays, and then you want him to be, like, a super high-powered exec, there needs to be some time elapsed. Yeah. But it doesn't work. It didn't need to be 13 years. It could have been, like, three. Yeah. A little less. If he was that fucking brilliant, yeah. A year. Like, a year. Like, you could still be pining after someone after a year. It's, It's maybe a little bit not quite acceptable, but it's not, like... You're a big loser who needs super hardcore therapy. Like, well, and it's like the movie is just it's it's doing a lot of telling and and not enough show because it's basically being like, no, he totally is still stuck on this woman, and you're like, in what fucking universe? There is a- there's nothing there. Oh, he's super lonely. The literally the only part you get an indication of that is at the end when he's like, I'm gonna be skiing alone, and you're like, like before his glimpse, like when he gets you know that you know missed call from Kate Reynolds, like he's just like, oh that. That's my, I, she was my old girlfriend. Like, there's no real emotion behind it. It's just like, oh, interesting. Yeah. My ex called me. And even his response, right? And then he just moves on. Well, because his assistant tries to call. And he's like, yeah. oh, no, 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 no. Because he's worried about how it might be perceived that he might be pining after her or whatever. Yeah. Which, ironically, at the end, he does. <laughs> so. Apparently is. It's just very strange to me. But, like, it would have been so much, it would have been a much more streamlined movie if he had done the internship completed the internship they broke up while he was at the internship and he'd worked like a month at this exec job and realized that he hated it yeah but didn't know what to do because she'd broken up with him like he's set in his life he's made this choice yeah yeah he has made this choice he's here he's signed this contract to you know work this exec job and he's like it's not what he thought it was and then he gets that moment with don Cheadle where he's still like a younger man who's because to me it does just feel very weird that this like high-powered exec helps out a guy who holds up a a corner store it would be much more realistic if somebody just out of a probably exploitive internship did that who's still trying to figure out their own life right 
But instead, it's like somebody who's very settled in their life who then throws it all away. And it's very strange to me. Yeah, I mean, because we're supposed, I think we're supposed to think that Nick Cage is like, he he has made the wrong sacrifices and it's made him a worse person. But the person we're presented isn't a worse person. He's flawed, but that he's human. He's just a rich guy. Yeah. He says Merry Christmas to the doorman. Like He's, he's the McAllisters. He seems nice. Like, he's yeah. just inexplicably rich. Like... <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't feel like any of the choices are earned. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. Is that your dislike, Becca? Did we get to your dislike? No. Well, that was on my list. Okay. But I've got something much more picky. Oh, go for it. Justice for Lucy, who is their Mastiff dog in The Glimpse. What do you mean, Justice? I, what happened to the dog? Where, like, where's the dog? I know it's, I know it's The Glimpse. I know it didn't actually exist, but like somewhere in that universe, there's a dog that they didn't adopt because they didn't stay together. Where's the dog? Justice for Lucy. Alex is dying. <laughs> I just wanna I just wanna comment that for our listeners. Alex is dying. What a nitpick. You're welcome. That is amazing. I I mean Justice for just, Lucy. It's just so like the you know, you have a suburban life with two kids and a dog. And, and a dog. Oh, Where's God. the dog? Where's the dog? That is a great question. Does he mention the dog in the final speech? Not at all. Oh, God. He no. just mentions the kids. But, like, that's a big deal. Where's the dog? Because there's a moment when he's complaining to her about the life, right? Because he wants to buy this $2,400 suit or whatever. Oh, the amazing Nick Cage yeah, rant. Yeah, the amazing Nick Cage rant. <laughs> yeah. Right, which makes sense from a guy who this isn't his life and he's used to wearing $2,400, which whatever, fuck fuck off, dude. I'm $350 at, at fucking JCPenney as is like the extent of the amount I'll spend on a fucking suit. Jesus. Right, like, right. $2,400, like that shit better wipe my ass. Jesus. It, might, it like has to come up with like a little fucking thing that puts out like a little bit, like a like an aperitif or whatever, like a little cup, just bloop. It better have like fucking robotic arms for $2,400. But anyway, so he he gives that speech, right? And he talks about like waking up with dog slopper all over his face. But then like he he has a moment with the dog with the snow, right? Where he takes the dog out walking in the snow. And that's that's like an it's a wonderful life, whatever. It's very pretty. Adorable. It's pretty. Where's the dog? But like, yeah, he doesn't mention the dog again. He's the one walking this fucking dog all the time. Dogs are really important, yo. I'm so confused. Where's the dog? This dog has been adopted by someone else or... Has been yeah, put are, to sleep. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a mastiff, so I wonder. It, it was it actually a mastiff, Becca? It was a mastiff. Oh, mix. mastiff mix. I looked it up. That would get adopted, right? But yeah, like that dog. There were so many points about it during the glimpse. Yeah. And you don't you don't look for the dog. Like this is a family movie, and you don't resolve the dog. Like, but how would you find that dog? I mean, at that point, it's been 13 years. The dog's fucking dead. Yeah, the dog's no, no. fucking so dead. In, it's been 13 years. So in the in his blip, right, or a glimpse, we're calling it a blip because fuck yeah. it, the MCU is going to have an influence here. In his blip, that's 13 years in the future. And so they've yeah. had that dog at least... At least five. five depending when they years. got it, right? The dog is alive yeah. 13 years later. In his regular timeline, he's also 13 years after the him coming back from from London or whatever. And so presumably yeah. that dog is possibly alive. Presumably it exists. I, I'm saying possibly because I, I, a lot of things can happen to a dog. <laughs> yeah. the, the dog is not yeah. alive. Yeah. Alex, <laughs> let me have my dream. No. <laughs> we will make this terrible movie realistic in some way. I mean, statistically there's a pretty solid chance that that dog, no, but, 
But Mastiff mix, like, I think it would be fine. Like, it's not a pit mix. If it was a pit mix, I would say dead. It's straight up dead. Sorry, yeah. pit bull owners, but, like, that's but just the really mix. sad, fucked up reality of pit bulls <laughs> is they have such a bad reputation. And, like, is it just, like, sitting in a shelter? He's got to have been adopted. That would have been a nice post-credit scene if they adopted it. Just if, if there had been a post-credit scene where the dog got adopted, that would have been my secondary dislike because that would have been fucking stupid. I mean, it wouldn't make sense <laughs> also, in the time. I'm a terrible person who doesn't like dogs very much because they lick things. No, absolutely not. But, like, I just got mad because it's an already all-around <laughs> shitty movie. I'm sorry, Sean. And then they don't address the dog. I mean, you could fix this. Like, there's such such small things you could do because they have the dog on set. So you could just have your credits have pictures of the life that they have put together. Or even as they're, as they're zooming out from the coffee shop photos, just have somebody walking the dog. Oh, and the dog's fine, but it's not with them. Got it. Because they didn't adapt it. But, but that's, that's not just sad. weird time works. The dog is dead of old age. <laughs> No, the dog isn't dead. No, because it's alive 13 years later. The dog is alive. The glimpse takes place 13 years in his... it can't possibly, because the whole point of the timeline of the glimpse is that he flew to the London. A month later, he came back, and then there was a short period of time during which they were married, and then they had the oops baby, and she's like maybe seven years old, six years old. But they mentioned that they've been together 13 years. How old is so the kid? So the kid is, well, it depends when, I mean, accidents can happen anytime. I mean, the other thing is is also just, they've been together 13 years. They were together for some period of time before he went to London. Uh, well, whatever the year is, they've been together. His glimpse is taking place in an alternate version of his present. That's what's going on. So You know what it is? It's probably because he looks too fucking old at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, because there's no way he's like however old. How old is he supposed to be? Like 24? I retract my objection. It only looks like it's in the past, but if it's in the present, then the dog is not dead. You can have your dream. Dog has to be alive, please. The The dog is potentially alive. This is a lot of work of mental gymnastics while we're all intoxicated to try to make sense of this minor fact in a movie. Like that dog is reasonably still alive. Still potentially alive. something bad happened with the family that actually ended up adopting it. Well, look, you can find out more about this. Becca has has been kind enough to put together a website. If you go to (laughs) justiceforlucy.com, you will be able to find out more about this dog. Four as in the number four, not F-O-R. Justiceforlucy.com. And you can find out more about how to discover what happened to this dog. I just want to know... So if you have any information, you can call 1-800-FIND-LUCY. <laughs> it's L-O-O-C-Y. That's okay. No, that's, just, that's actually too many letters. <laughs> yeah, that's too many. It was, I mean, that's a good check, but you needed to, like, shorten it instead of making it. It's the find that doesn't work. The Lucy's fine. It's the find. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> That's my dislike. They never tell you what happened to the dogs. <laughs> just amazing. Yeah. All right. You're all right. Well, look, we got to wrap this up. I told you it was tiny. <laughs> well, all right. It's time to get to our final thoughts and our grade about this movie. So, Alex, final thought and grade, go. So, this movie made me super angry. And again, I fully acknowledge that it is not the movie's fault that I hate it. It's the entire Hollywood milieu that has 
put this Christmas genre of extremely white heteronormative nuclear family, everyone give up their career because obviously you cannot be fulfilled if you're not popping out kids, blah, that I just feel like I intensely hate and I wouldn't hate it so much if they were like happy Christmas movies with alternative lifestyles. But even the the like I'm queer movie Christmas movies that have been coming out lately, which are still really cool, but are also kind of like, hey, queer people, why don't you want like a nuclear family? And I'm like, but, but. What if no? What if I just want my cat? But what if I just want my cat? And my friends. Anyway, so that's why I hate this movie, which honestly makes it really hard for me to figure out how to grade it. Because like on the scale of torture cinema, this is actually like probably the best made torture cinema movie that we've seen that wasn't like we've had a couple where we were like, this is not a torture cinema. We're going to discuss it like it's, you know, a movie, which we almost kind of did with this one. Kind of. So I can't like shit on it from that angle. I just really hate it and I resent that I had to watch yet another of these fucking movies like this and and on that grounds like this movie actually made me angrier than Krampus the Reckoning because Krampus the Reckoning was just bad as opposed what? to the apotheosis of the heteronormative terrible. patriarchal society that we live in so I don't know what to grade it Krampus I don't know that sounds like so an A minus to me <laughs> <laughs> actually have to to abstain because i want to give it like on the scale of torture cinema it does kind of deserve like an a minus or a b because it was it's like a functionally technically very good movie but i fucking hated it and made me angry so i want to give it an f which also wouldn't be fair because again it's actually not a bad movie on those grounds so okay so what's your average give it like a c because like you're kind of balancing between the two right It's true. Okay, since I cannot abstain courteously, I will give it a C for abstaining courteously. Okay, I think that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Courteous, yes. (laughs) Yeah, because going off of that, I would would grade this. I would have said if they'd resolved what happened with the dog, it would have gotten a C plus. Because they didn't resolve the dog, it gets a C minus. Because, yeah, it's not terrible. It's not great. It's just average. And then it loses half a point for the dog. C minus. Interesting. I will I will find out what happened to this dog, Alex. <laughs> I mean, in in really real reality, the dog is definitely oh, dead. Oh, that dog that is definitely dead. <laughs> that dog is definitely Super dead. dead. But <laughs> you need to just go like write an email to like dear does the dog die.com. I was shocked to discover that you did not cover this movie and tell me about the fate of the dog. <laughs> so look. I have huge issues about the stuff that I've already talked about, like with the way the frame narrative works, but I I really just love this movie. I really enjoy it. Well, I mean, you are the movie's target audience, so it's totally fair yeah, and I will not you shit are. on you for your grade. I feel very shit on right now. I'm very sensitive about it. <laughs> yeah, so I just enjoyed this movie quite a lot. I, I really enjoyed Nick Cage in this. Tay Leone is amazing. Still got a little bit of a crush. Thank you, Tay Leone. You get an A plus for being amazing in this movie. I just, I don't know. I feel really good for most of this movie. And I just like the idea that he just discovers that there's a different life he could have led. And that he got to live his dream, which was nice. And the ending just fails you. Anyway, I just, that's all. That's all I got. A minus. I gift unto you all the possible rewatches that I would have ever made are yours now. Absolutely. Same here. Mm -hmm. They're yours. Thank you. I appreciate it. Enjoy. It adds to your total by none, but um, it's the thought that counts. I mean, I could be in a coma and it could be on TV. It could happen. 
I mean, if you ever go in a coma, I'm literally going to go in there and make sure that that's the only thing that plays while you're asleep. That's wow. not true. I wouldn't do that because that's actually really mean. Sean, like, oh, this 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 gay person's in a coma. <laughs> let's ha- let's let's pipe some heteronormative propaganda through the speakers. Maybe that'll get them to wake up. <laughs> I mean, if anything's gonna get you to wake up from a coma, it might be this <laughs> this movie. It's gonna be heteronormative shit that you gotta shut down. Just like this, this like comatose person sitting up with the <laughs> scream of pure rage. <laughs> ah, turn it off! <laughs> just like, wow, they never actually regained consciousness, but somehow they flung themselves from their bed and put their fists through the TV. I've never seen anything like it. Shit! God damn! Wow. That would be nice. What a world. Uh, what a world we live in. So before we get to the final thank yous and all that stuff and all of our things, this is a reminder that barring me not finishing editing on podcasts that we recorded before December, this will be the last podcast you will hear until late January, early February, because this podcast goes on a brief hiatus so we can all take a vacation and enjoy being cold and drinking alcohol and doing things that we would normally do with our friends and family. So with that in mind, you will not hear from us for several weeks. And we would like to say a happy holidays to everybody. Thank you for hanging about, listening to our shows, getting the laughs on, supporting us in all the things, having a good time. We hope that, you know, all things considered... You know, your your winter break or your winter, the remainder of this winter period of December and January is safe and healthy and full of as much joy as humanly possible in a world that is quite difficult at times. But that's the message we'll send. Whatever family unit you happen to live in or non-family unit, I hope that that is a joyful experience for you and that it remains so even as we continue to fight this pandemic and other kinds of stresses and struggles that people are going through. So happy holidays. Lots of love. Give all your found family a hug and a kiss for Please me. Please do. I was going to say something really mean about you discriminating against uh, people in the Southern Hemisphere, but that's fine. <laughs> the moment has passed. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Like, let me rephrase. <laughs> for people no, living in places that are having a winter right now, I hope you have a happy... <laughs> I said happy holidays. Like, it's still Christmas in Australia. It's not like they only have Christmas in July. Yeah, they get to to have, like, barbecues for Christmas. It's super unfair. You were talking about it being cold. Well, look, maybe it got cold at night. You know what, Becca? It's it's always winter in his heart. (laughs) I'm so sorry for having not considered all the places of the world where it'll be hot because it's not winter there and it's summer. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Happy holidays to you. I hope it's warm in your heart and that it's full of sweat. (laughs) Oh, God. Everything's fine. I'm okay. Some Christmas sweat. Some Yule sweat. (laughs) Smells like evergreen. No, but really, have a have a good holiday wherever you happen to be in the world. Yes. Please. <laughs> good God. And Becca derailed my very positive message to remind <laughs> me that some people don't have winter right now. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Australian listeners. I was super inconsiderate to you, but not recognizing that it's summer. I mean, very, very hemispherist. <laughs> very hemispherist. <laughs> 
I'll burn in hell over this tragedy. I'm, I'm, I'm sending you to liberal hell right now. All the Twitter leftists are going to circle you and poke you That's with That's right. Yeah, it'll just be tons of messages telling me to fuck off and die because I didn't <laughs> recognize Australia's warm weather during our winter. <laughs> oh, <they're dying. laughs> okay. Oh. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us today for Torture Cinema. This fucking train wreck. <laughs> this train wreck of an episode. <laughs> it was. It was a train wreck. And I won't apologize no, for it. No, don't apologize. Anyway. Thanks for joining us today for Torture Cinema. If you'd like to let us know what you thought about this episode, head on over to skiffyandfanty.com slash listener suggestions. Also, follow us at skiffyandfanty on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe to our newsletter at skiffyandfanty.com slash newsletter. Finally, if you like what we do, please support us at patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty, and give us some love by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. You can find me, the person who managed to keep a straight face long enough to read this paragraph, at Katsudonbury on Twitter, at my website, katsudon.net, and at patreon.com slash where I talk about movies and TV and books. And you can find me at Sean Duke on Twitter, seanduke.net, and patreon.com slash thejoyfactory, and for the time being, streaming as Alphabet Streams on Twitch. And you can find me at BeccaE96 on Twitter and as an accessibility editor and uh, development slash PR person at Strange Horizons. All right, so... I think uh, it's already awkward enough. You don't have to make it. No, no, I have to make it even more awkward. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Do we we just want to start talking about the dog again? Yes, let's start talking about the dog. I want justice for Lucy and I want it right now. I just want to know... (laughs) My neighbors must hate me. This is the first episode until this moment that I have been on with Alex that has not devolved into talking about sex toys. You're welcome. It's true. I mean, I wish I'd made more of an is, effort. The problem is, it was just—it was just such a, an aggressively heteronormative movie. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine Nick Cage getting pegged. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> on that note, awkward <laughs> ending and scene. <laughs> You're welcome, citizens. And Becca and Sean, especially. You're welcome. <laughs> If you want to support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty or skiffyandfanty.com, our website, where you can get access to all of our fancy things. Our music comes from Holy Mole. You can support him and his work at patreon.com slash holy mole. Thank you for listening. <laughs>